This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast... I'm, I'm not a social media person, but if you use Snapchat or if you use Instagram, it seems like if you use anything, there's a filter you can use to make your pictures look darker or brighter or cleaner or more fun or whatever. Just try to lay the filter of Jesus over every picture that you take, over every picture of your story. And if you look at your story and you can't see Jesus, change the filter. Uh, because something, um, if, if you look at your story and it's showing anything other than Jesus, your story is not reflecting God's glory. Welcome to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and today I will be having a conversation with Pastor Christian on part one of an exciting new series entitled, This Is My Story. In this series, Pastor Christian is teaching us why our stories are so important. Pastor Christian, welcome back to the podcast. I've been really looking forward to this new series that we're launching at JCI. What was the inspiration behind the series? Well, first, let me say a, a huge thank you last week to Tara and to Heidi and to Mike uh, from our family ministry. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's podcast, uh, man, I, I really heard in that podcast the heart of our family ministry to make sure that kids, uh, whether they're one or whether they're 18, or in Mike's case, whether they're in college, out of college, that kids know who Jesus is, that kids know how Jesus loves them, that kids know that, that God created them um, and he loves them. And I am so grateful uh, at our church that as we provide resources like this podcast to minister to adults, that we have people like Tara and Heidi and Stephanie Ward and Christy Cowan and Mike Evans and Kyle Ward uh, and Sadie Coulter who are ministering to children and youth um, in our church, the way that we are ministering to adults. So uh, a big thank you to our team for doing that. Great job leading them through that and, and talking family discipleship. What was the inspiration for this series? So I'll ask you, you've been to Israel, right? Mm -hmm. Have you been to Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Caesarea Philippi at the base of Mount Hermon uh, in northern Israel was the place where Jesus asked his disciples uh, nearly three years into his ministry journey, he's getting ready to turn around and head towards Jerusalem and towards the cross. And he asked his disciples, uh, who do people say that I am? And they answered, some say Elijah, some say Isaiah, some say one of the prophets, some say John the Baptist. And he said, who do you say that I am? And the apostle Peter would have his, his famous proclamation that you are the Christ, you are the Savior, the Son of the living God. And Jesus would say, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because that wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who, who is in heaven. But the fact that Jesus would say, who do you say that I am? Who does your life say that I am? Who does your story say that I am? Means that it's important for Jesus that we say who he is. And our stories, not, not hopefully just our words, but our stories are the way we say, this is who Jesus is in my life. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, we see a great battle between the, the Lamb of God and Satan, between good and evil. And Revelation 12, 11 says that Satan is destroyed by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of the saints. So that, that first big death knell that came to, to death, Jesus put death to death on the cross because he brought life out of death. The blood of the lamb struck a big blow to Satan and his plan for humanity. 
but the testimony of the saints, the stories of Christians, can, the stories of Christians continue to to strike a blow to to Satan and evil and his plan for humanity, because it's in our stories that we talk about who Jesus is and what he's doing. As Moses was leading the Israelites out of the desert and into the promised land. Um, They had been led by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire every day for 40 years. They had been fed by manna from heaven. Um, The presence of God was visibly visibly among them, but Moses said, when you cross the Jordan River, um, the the land is going to be the promise, but your stories will be the proof. Uh, The land is going to be the promise that that you are God's people and you are on God's mission, but your stories will be the proof of everything God did in the past. Those will live in your stories. Your stories will be the proof that God is still working. And I believe that God is still working in Kansas City in 2019. And I believe the stories of the people who God is working in are the proof that God is still on the move in our community. For that reason, we decided to do a series to teach people not just the importance of their story, but how to see it and how to say it, how to share it with people so they could see the proof of the God we believe in and how he's working. It's going to be a powerful series. Um, on Sunday, we we traveled back in history a bit, and we looked at the nation of Israel following the exodus out of Egypt, as you just mentioned. And our key passage from Sunday was Deuteronomy chapter 4. Um, when giving us some facts on Deuteronomy, you stated that Deuter- uh, that that in Deuteronomy, it is written to a generation of families where the oldest men were 58 years old. I, I'm intrigued. How, how do we know that the oldest men were, were 58 years old? So these are some of my favorite factoids in the Bible, because you, you've got to do a little biblical math here. And, you know, often when you do biblical math, there's, there's a lot of numbers in the Bible that are important, right? Seven is really important in the Bible. Twelve is really important in the Bible. The number 40 is really important in the Bible. There's also some bad numbers in the Bible. You can remember those through biblical math, because when you think of seven as John Elway and 12 as Tom Brady, um, (laughs) seven plus 12, when they represent John Elway and Tom Brady, equals 666. Um, Those two times together biblically um, equal the number of the evil. So there's a lot of biblical math that you can learn. Seven, 12, 40, Triple six is right. There's a lot of numbers, but you can dig dig deep into the text and and sometimes see a situation more clearly than maybe you had seen it before, like in Deuteronomy chapter 4, realizing there was nobody older as a man than 58 years old except for Joshua and Caleb and Moses. She said, well, how do you know that? How can you prove that? A couple verses you have to weave together. Uh, In Exodus chapter 38, Numbers chapter 1, Numbers chapter 2, we are two years into, we're in the first and second month of the second year of the journey from Egypt to Israel, uh, two years into a 40-year journey. And God told Moses, count every man who's over the age of 20 because they needed to number the, the force of men, the military force. So three times in Scripture, Exodus 38, Numbers 1, Numbers 2, tell us that there were 603,550 5, men who were over the age of 20. In Numbers chapter 10, we're still in year two of the Exodus. They get to the edge of the promised land. God says, go in. They send 12 spies to spy out the land. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, come back and say, this is awesome. Let's go. Ten say, no, we'll die. They convince everybody to turn back. And God was so frustrated with that generation that in Numbers 14, 29, 
He said, nobody who was counted in the census who's over the age of 20 will enter the promised land. They will all die in the desert. 38 years later, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're on the edge of the promised land. Everyone who 20 years or 38 years earlier was 20 was dead, which means the oldest living male was 19 in Numbers chapter 10. And the oldest they could possibly be 38 years later was 57, maybe heading towards 58. So sometimes there's just like cool biblical math that helps you see the story because you know, okay, in the last 38 years, everyone who used to be 20 has died. So 19 plus 38, you know, maybe 20 plus 38, uh, there's no one over 58, almost everyone is 57, and everyone under 40 uh, has literally seen God and in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire every day of their life. Everyone under 40 has eaten manna from heaven every single day of their life. This, this was a special and very unique generation, and when you're able to add some of those numbers and ages together, you just see the picture very, very clearly. Yeah. It also helps, um, as we share the story, details are really important, and details are important to God. So every part of our stories that we're going to be sharing, they're important. Details are important, no doubt. Well, you've talked about some of these amazing um, things that the Israelites experienced in the wilderness, and and some of those are like like you mentioned, the parting of the Red Sea, the pillar of fire, water um, from a rock, manna from heaven, bread falling from the sky. Um, as we help others develop and share their stories, my guess is that many of us will not have incredible events like Israel maybe experienced. But what events should we be looking for as we develop our stories that remind us and inform others of the power of God in our life? Yeah, so I'm I'm going to push back on just that just that presupposition sure. for a minute that yeah. our stories don't have things like their story because the author of Hebrews chapter eleven would say our story's better because we have Jesus. Uh, and he would say all these Old Testament saints, they had all these incredible things, like you just mentioned, water from the rock and uh, you know manna that, that appeared as, as dew on the ground every day, and then they could eat it and crossing through that. They had all that. But in Hebrews 11, verses 39 through 40, he said these people all died looking forward now to what we have seen. We, so we have something better. They, they had the crossing of the Red Sea and the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. We have Jesus. We have what they were hoping for. We have seen Jesus. So the people of Israel came out of Egypt, but we've seen Jesus come out of heaven. The people of Israel drank water from a rock, but we have met someone who says he's living water. The people of Israel got manna from heaven. We have met the bread of life. The people of Israel passed through the Red Sea. We get the one who's passed through the grave. The people of Israel got the promised land. We got the promised Savior. So I would push back and say our story's better than theirs, and they would trade us places. They would rather see Jesus than experience what they experience because they experience what they experience but still needed the hope of a Savior, and we got to experience the Savior. So when the center of our story is Jesus, we have quite a story to share about the power of God in our lives. Now, where do we look for that? I would ask questions like this. When did God begin to draw you? Right? We said that anyone God is allowing to see our story is somebody that God is already drawing. So what are important moments in our story? When did God begin to draw you? What was the first spark 
of spiritual interest in your life. That is an important part of your story. Whose story did God use in your life? As God started drawing you, he showed you somebody else's story that would open your eyes. Who was that person? That is an important part of your story. When did you respond to God's love and grace and give your heart and life to Jesus? When was your moment of salvation? That is an important part of your story. When did you realize that discipleship was daily and lifelong and not just a prayer that would get you to heaven? When was the moment you began to walk with Jesus every day? Because that's a huge part of your story. When did that happen? How did that happen? What has happened as a result of your discipleship journey? Those are important parts of your story. When did you realize your your gifts and your calling and your spiritual purpose? How have you gone about pursuing those. That is an important part of your story. When did you realize that God is drawing other people by using your story to open their eyes? And who are those people? When do you interact with them? Where do you interact with them? How has that shaped and deepened your faith? That is an important part of your story. These are all starting points of things to look for as you learn to see your story as important to God and share your story as impactful to others. I thought it was a great reminder that our stories shouldn't say, look at me, but rather look at Jesus. Um, that was such a great point in your message um, this last Sunday. In shaping and sharing our stories, what advice would you give um, to prevent that look at me from happening in our stories? Look at, look at me and my past life um, in in our stories, yeah, we see this a lot happen at our at our youth camps. A lot of times at our youth camps, we'll have a kind of a testimony night at the end where kids can get up and they can talk. And so many kids, they spend the entire time talking about their sin rather than their savior. And all you remember about their life is, wow, they're really jacked up. Not wow, look what Jesus did. And a lot of times we can focus our stories on us rather than Jesus. Remember we said your story is supposed to bring God glory. Glory means to reflect back. Our story is supposed to be a mirror that reflects Jesus to people. So what I would do is just try to, as you think about your story, as you think about your life, as you think about how you present things, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a social media person, But if you use Snapchat or if you use Instagram, it seems like if you use anything, there's a filter you can use to make your pictures look darker or brighter, cleaner or more fun or whatever. Just try to lay the filter of Jesus over every picture that you take, over every picture of your story. And if you look at your story and you can't see Jesus, change the filter. Uh, Because something, um, if, if you look at your story, and it's showing anything other than Jesus, your story is not reflecting God's glory. And and that's the point of our story. Our story should point people to Jesus. And when we learn to see Jesus in our story, we can learn to share Jesus in our story. And that's what this series is about. Not just teaching you how to say your story, but teaching you to see Jesus in your story so that you can share Jesus as a part of your story. Pastor Christian, once we have a clear and developed, shareable story, can you give us some ideas on how we can begin to share our everyday story into everyday discipleship moments? Yeah, so I think the first—it's it's interesting. The first thing you need to do in order to share your story well is learn somebody else's story. I mean, when we look at Jesus and, and how Jesus lived life, Jesus came into our story 
before he shared his with us. He came and he got to know people. He came and he listened. He came and he ate with people. He came and he spent time with people. He said, let's hang out. And when he, once he knew their story, he knew how the part of his story um, that was so important would impact theirs. So if you really want your story to be impactful, get to know somebody else enough to learn their story because you will see the gaps in their story that can only be filled with Jesus. And you can show them how similar gaps in your life were filled with the story of Jesus. So learn someone's story, find some common ground, see where God is drawing them, see what God is using to draw them, and then learn to use your part, the, the part of your story that fills the gaps in theirs. And then I would say this, don't be ashamed, don't be afraid, and don't be unaware. Don't be, a, don't be ashamed to talk about what Jesus has done in your life. Don't be afraid to identify yourself as a Christian. And don't be unaware that when you do, some people will reject you. Some people will ridicule you. No one in America, in our generation, will have a cross laid on their back. So Christianity will be hard. Christianity will be persecuted. It's going to be persecuted. You will have people reject you because you have accepted Jesus. But don't be ashamed. And don't be afraid, and, and, and don't be unaware. That will happen, but it's worth being rejected in order to see a response from someone who is being drawn to Jesus, who God wants to use your story to open their eyes completely to who Jesus is. Well, Pastor Christian, last question for today. Um, this week in our groups at Journey, we're helping people develop their story in a shareable way. We're focusing specifically on one aspect of the story, that's the life background, um, or what our life was like before we, we surrendered our life to Jesus. W- would you take a moment and kind of share your life background and, and what stories helped shape who you were or who you are before you surrendered to Jesus? Yeah, so what I've learned through Scripture is that the background of my life was a backdrop of a spiritual story. In Jeremiah 1.5, Jesus says, while you were in the womb, I knew you and I called you. Um, I, I realize I've, I've been drawn since the womb to Jesus. God had a plan for my life very early, and he would draw me, and he would use people in, in, he would use the stories of people in my faith journey. I grew up going to really small, really traditional churches for years. We went to churches that didn't have more than a hundred people, and because of that, they didn't really have children's ministries. We would have church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and it seemed like at least once a month they'd have testimony night. And when you're in a little church with little wooden pews, you know, and there's 40 people there, you don't have to use a microphone. You don't have to, you know, have a big production. You know, the preacher can stand up on the stage and say, does anyone want to testify? That's what they call it. Does anyone want to testify? Um, And I would listen to these men and women in our church stand up and testify. And I remember as a little kid thinking, wow, like God is working in their life, like they just told a story of how God worked in their life. And I think even as, I mean, even as a kid, a really young child, I was fascinated that God would work in other people's lives. I saw faith in the life of my parents. I saw faith in the life of a lot of my relatives. Eventually, I made it personal. Uh, I, I realized as I was being drawn to faith that that there was a barrier of sin in my life at the age of six. I realized I needed Jesus to forgive me in order for him to accept me. So I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin and to take over my heart and one day give me heaven. Um, when I died, I did that at six. 
uh, in adult church, big church, because we didn't have little kid church um, where I went to church. And then, he, and then eventually around middle school and high school, I began to make it purposeful and I began to make and I began to make my faith impactful. I felt in sixth grade that God was calling me to the ministry. Um, that's that's the first time I felt like I think God wants me to to be a preacher. I think I'm supposed to spend my life telling people about Jesus. And I drifted from that in middle school and a little bit in high school. But right before my senior year, I just I, I once again realized that was that was my place among my friends. That was my place in my public school. I I was supposed to be the guy who told people about Jesus. I probably didn't always go about it the best way. I was a little forceful because I was really passionate, uh, but I just wanted everyone to be a Christian, and I was willing to help when they didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. I was willing to help the Holy Spirit speak louder um, if 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 they couldn't hear Him. Um, but I, I just realized I think I'm supposed to help people spiritually. I think that's my my role in life. So I'm supposed to have some kind of impact, and that and I'm 41 now, and that really hasn't stopped. But it all started with a call on my life from before I was born. Um, God was drawing me, and through the times my parents took me to church, through the times that I saw their faith, through the times I heard my grandpa preach. He was a pastor in the Nazarene Church for more than 60 years. My mom just uh, texted me. Actually, my dad texted me yesterday and let me know they wouldn't be coming for Easter oh. this year because my grandpa, who's 91, will be preaching at no his way. church this year. That's so cool. Um, 91 at Easter, celebrating Jesus stepping out of the grave. As yeah. He's probably getting closer to it. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, that's the, that's the story of who, who I was and how I grew up and the people who had great influence yeah. on my life. And eventually, I, you know, I was drawn completely to Jesus in a moment of salvation. And then I was drawn to his, his plan for my life. And, and ever since then, I've been trying to see what Jesus is doing in my life so that I can share it with others so that maybe my story would be for God's glory. And when people interacted with me in some way, they, they might see a reflection of, of who God was. Mm. Pastor Christian, thank you for sharing that. And um, thank you for reminding us that who we are in life and where we are in life is important to God and is impactful to others. So I'm really excited about the, the rest of the series. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to take a moment to make you all aware of a website that we have available for this series. Um, it is takethejourney.cc slash story forward slash story. Um, you can access it through the Journey mobile app as well. On this page, you will have access to our group conversation guides that will help you develop your story. We want you to use this as an opportunity to have conversations with your friends around the subject of developing your personal story and seeing Jesus in your story. Also, um, you also have the opportunity to submit your story in writing or maybe even by video. Really, our goal is to collect dozens upon dozens of stories of how God has transformed the lives of people, not only people who are listening to this podcast, but also in our church and in our community. We want to thank you for tuning in this week, and we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. 
Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.